Success is about more than just business strategies. It's also about aligning with your higher purpose and clearing inner obstacles that stand in the way. I say this because you deserve to do what you love and to feel fulfilled along the way. And the reality is you're likely spending more time than you'd like to stuck in self-doubt. You may be asking yourself things like, why do I never seem to reach my biggest goals no matter how hard I work? Or why do I never quite feel like I've done enough, have enough, or am enough? If any of these sound familiar, you are not alone. And I've been there too. The good news is that the solution is simpler than you think. I'm sharing it inside my new four-day women's immersion, The Inner Critic Cure. This live four-day event includes daily classes, potent practices, and a brilliant supportive community of like-minded women. And best of all, it's only $37. This method is gentle yet powerful, and it actually works even when others haven't because it's based on a proven psychotherapeutic framework called Internal Family Systems or IFS. By the time you leave, you'll have the knowledge and tools to not only heal your relationship with those harsh inner voices, but to turn them into your strongest allies now and for the rest of your life. So join us to discover how to put an end to those negative voices that have held you back from your biggest dreams and desires. So you can live into the full potential you know is possible for you in both your business and in your life. You can learn more and join us inside the Inner Critic Cure at programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. That's programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. I'd love to see you there. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome to She Talks, a space for you to come home to your inner wisdom which I call your she. I'm Sarah Von Stover, a teacher of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality, a best-selling author, and founder of The Way of the Happy Woman. Every summer, I share a seasonal series here on the podcast called Poolside Sutras. So throughout the month of June, over the next three weeks, I'll publish a handful of episodes in this series. Each of these features a she talk, which was recorded live at the last She Yoga and Meditation Teacher Training, which I offered this past February on the island of Koh Samui, Thailand. Now, hanging out by the pool with a good book or podcast has always been one of my favorite summer activities. So in this spirit, Poolside Sutras are meant to inspire and educate you in a fun and portable way during all of your summer excursions, or for those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, your vacation excursions to the beach, on a hike or road trip, at the gym, or of course, by the pool. And best of all, Poolside Sutras give you a taste of the Shi Yoga and Meditation Teacher Training, which is taking place next in one of my favorite places on the planet, Tulum, Mexico from December 1st to 8th, 2018. This is a week-long teacher training and practice intensive in women's yin and flow yoga, Buddhist meditation with a feminine perspective, and Shi Dharma. If you want to teach and inspire women in your community or simply feel hungry for a retreat to nourish your own body and soul, 
this is for you. And while there's no pool at our Tulum venue, we have it even better. We'll literally be right on the beach. Not only that, but this year's venue is incredibly intimate. We have space for 17 women and we only open this training for registration once a year. If you're curious and want to learn more, you can visit sheyogatraining.com. And for now, roll out your towel, soak up the twinkling blue view, and enjoy this poolside sutra. Last full day. What a great commute we have to this room. <laughs> I haven't worn shoes in a week almost. Just enjoying having so many of our needs taken care of for these next couple of days. And I also invite you, if there's anything that's kind of been hovering around in your energetic periphery, your mental periphery, that you have felt like, oh, that's not for here. Or even like if there's a person that you're thinking a lot about, living or deceased, that you're, you know, you're thinking like, well, this, this is my time. It's not my time to think about that person. Know that we are these, you know, these individuals here in this room, but with us, we bring so many people. We bring all of our relationships, past and present. And so if there are things that, are, that arise that really need your attention, know that this is a space, especially in this next day, to feel into that, whatever that entails for you. And to know that there's no right or wrong way to do this retreat slash training. Uh, the way is really whatever is unfolding beneath your feet. So maybe that's making time to shed some tears or maybe there's a letting go ritual that, that wants to happen, or a new birth, a new beginning ritual. This is really the time, this next day, to, to be very intimate with yourself and your experience. And this intimacy with oneself and our own experience is really at the heart of what this path is about. You know, what, what is women's yoga and meditation? What is women's spirituality? I don't know. The more I've been involved in this work for 20 years and the more, the further along I get in it, the more I really don't know what it is. <laughs> For me, it, it keeps changing, it keeps expanding. You know, some of you started with me when I was, you know, this work began for me when I, when I moved here 19 years ago. 
it'll be 19 years in August, and I wasn't menstruating because I had eating disorders through my teens and early 20s. And I had cervical dysplasia that was bordering on being cancerous. And I was just, I felt, I just felt like a hot mess, to be quite honest. <laughs> but I had a lot of things in order in terms of having a great college diploma and a lot of accolades and a lot of um, parent success on the outside. But inside, you know, here I, I was only 21 years old and my body was really struggling. And so for me, at first, women's yoga was about my cycles. It was, oh, learning not just to practice like a man all the time, but to actually learn about what are the lunar cycles, what are the seasonal cycles, how can I eat in accordance with those, how can I practice yoga in accordance with those, how can I live my life in accordance with those. And that, that was really my central focus. And I healed. And I realized like this, this is, there's something to this. And as other women started to, I mean, I'm just teaching general yoga at the time, but as more women started to come up to me after class and say like, hey, I have this going on, what, am, what should I do? I started to realize like, wow, there are other women who need this too. So it started out for me that women's yoga was about our cycles, it was about our hormones, it was about seasons. And you know, several years later, I did a prenatal yoga teacher training and trained to become a birth doula. And it started to op open me up to the world of, of pregnancy and birth and postpartum and this rite of passage for women. And I was studying with Gurmukh Karakalsa with the prenatal yoga. She's phenomenal. And her book, um, Bountiful, Blissful, Beautiful, is just so sweet, so lovely, so powerful. She has such a playful and wise energy about her. So that's just a great book to have in your library or to gift to any woman who is pregnant. Bountiful, Blissful, Beautiful. Gurmukh. And so then women's yoga started to expand. You know, I started teaching prenatal yoga classes and, and leading prenatal yoga teacher trainings. And the further I've gotten on my path and the more life experiences that I've had and the more stories, you know, as, as I share more of myself, women also share more of themselves. And especially in things like applications for this training or for retreats or programs where women share things that they might not even tell their girlfriends. I get to see just the kind of the universality of the things that we weather as women and how at least half of those things are still underground. We're still not talking about them. So there's, a, there, there's, there's an expansion of topics around womanhood 
that need to be included within the umbrella of women's yoga, meditation, and spirituality. And depending upon where you are on your journey, you're going to be attracted to different things at different times. If you've been ignoring your cycle for your whole life, it's going to be like, yes, I, I am so, so all about this. I really want to focus on my cycle and teaching other women how to align with their cycles. Or I'm so all about the birth process and I so want to help women with that. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, we, we need to step into the path of the place where we feel the passion, where we feel the resonance. But just know that that's not the end of that's not the end of the road. In fact, it's just the beginning. So for me now with my cycle, it's kind of like um, most of us in this room, I imagine, we took a typing class in school, or, or from those generations, where we we had to learn how to type. It was like a thing. You didn't have to. <laughs> you just knew how to type. Oh, you're still a packer. Okay, so you got to go to typing school. <laughs> I'm really grateful that I learned how to type. I'm like um, Korean. I'm like Speedy Gonzalez on the keyboard, which serves me well for my profession now. Um, but the children who are being born now, they don't. There's no typing class in the curriculum. They just know how to type. They don't have a computer class. They just, you know, hand a two-year-old a phone. And I mean, I'm just like, I'm just shocked when my niece Hattie, a couple years ago, she came to Colorado and she spent the night with me at my house. It was like her first like sleepover with, they call me Rira. Her first sleepover with Rira. And, um, Somehow she got hold of my iPad and she was in YouTube watching these Barbie Dreamhouse videos. <laughs> and I was like, one, like, how did you know my password? <laughs> Two, how did you find YouTube? And like, you don't even know how to like read. So how did you type in Barbie Dreamhouse? Well. Like <laughs> yeah so ultimately it's going to be like ultimately I, I believe that that's how it was with our cycles back in like the olden days where we were just just born with this knowingness like this rhythm in our body so we didn't need to put them like front and center like okay this week I'm ovulating this week I'm menstruating this week I'm premenstrual. It was just like built into the culture, the rhythm around us. And when we've spent time just bringing that rhythm more to the forefront, then it can go back into the background because we already, it's already happening in us. There's a way that we cannot always be focusing on it because it's just a way of life now. And so the more that we bring this out into the world, the more it becomes just every day, where it becomes just part of the zeitgeist. And same with, you know, natural births or conscious births, where you can, where a woman actually 
puts together a birth plan and puts more effort into researching the kind of birth she's going to have than she does into researching the kind of car she's going to buy. Or, you know, the new iPhone she's going to get. So and there, there are so many other things within the realm of women's experience that are still not really being given a lot of lip service. So yes, there's prenatal yoga. Yes, there's postpartum yoga. But what about the women who have miscarriages? What about the women who have stillbirths? What about the women who try for years and years and years and can't have a baby? What about the women who adopt? What about the women who have a surrogate? What about the women who have a foster child? Or who have an infant who dies? What about the women who just never had the, the chance to have a child? But they always wanted to. And it didn't happen because they didn't, they didn't feel like they were in the right circumstances. Or a woman who chose not to have a child. And then years later, she feels grief about that. Women who have had an abortion or many abortions and then maybe later on in their lives, you know, that, that felt like the right decision at the time and then later on in their lives when they realize that the circumstances aren't arising for them to have a child, there's, there's grief about that and all of a sudden then they regret the decision that they made in the past even though it felt right for them at the time. There are so many different configurations of experiences. You know, women who have had hysterectomies, full hysterectomies in their 20s and stopped having their cycles. So we can't just define women's yoga by our cycles and by pregnancy and by postpartum. It has to expand to include the entire population of women to give every woman a seat at the table. To know that Every experience is, every woman's experience is something that many other women have gone through as well, but there's just not a collective conversation about it. There's not a space for it. So leadership really is looking at what is missing and how can I contribute to that? Or what do I wish that I had had? And how can I create that? Because it doesn't exist. So we want to be constantly just building upon what is already present and then expanding it forward. We are all part of the expanding universe. We are all at the leading edge of evolution, especially if you're in you know, a situation like this where we, we have the space and time to ask these questions.
and I named some, you know, some things, but there's so many other, you know, there's so many other scenarios that we as women find ourselves in with various health things, maybe crises, accidents that we've been through in our life, relationship issues, all sorts of things. So as we, you know, as we move today into the Ananda Mayakosha, the fifth and the biggest and also the most subtle of these koshas, it's this vibratory field around us that is our, our bliss body. It's our soul, it's that part of us that has lived through many lives and is even bringing into this life, you know, some of those, if you believe in many lives, if you believe in reincarnation, some of those old soul wounds. And those old soul wounds, your soul before you were born, chooses, chooses to be born again as you in your exact body, to your exact parents, to your exact geographical place and says yes to all the events of your life, even if your personality would rather that those events not be so. Your soul said I want to be born as her because I know that I need to go through that in order to arrive in more of my fullness as a soul. So this is, there, there's so much bigness that our souls take on all sorts of stuff. And it's from these soul lessons that we really want to look because it's inside these soul lessons where we can find our true calling, where we can find our dharma, who it is that we are here to be, what it is that we are here to do. It's in the unique circumstances and events of your life and how you understand them, what you learn from them. And those are different from anyone else's on the planet that has ever existed and that will ever exist. Though they are uniquely personal to you. And for better or for worse, it's the challenging experiences that grow us the most. Just like if, you're, if you are in the ocean and it's a really rough sea that day, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to work harder to stay afloat. It requires more of you. And it might actually be exhilarating to a certain point because there's a sense of like really using the strength in your body and the strength of your mind, 
So you, when you get to the shore, it's like you, you feel invigorated. Like, wow, that was just kind of scary. I feel so alive now. There's a saying that we learn more about relationships when we're not in them than when we're in them. Because it's in those periods after a divorce, after a breakup, after a death, where you're really thrust into yourself. You stop projecting onto, the, onto someone else to fill all of your needs or be this or that. And it's like, okay, I need to take 100% responsibility and really look at these places in yourself that maybe you never looked at before. And that can happen after any type of hardship, after, um, and if you have an illness, a diagnosis, or an injury, there's deeper layers of health and healing that you need to go through that you wouldn't need to if that didn't happen. And so you're going to know a lot about that, that someone else who hasn't gone through it is not going to know. You're going to have exercised muscles, emotional muscles, mental muscles, physical muscles that people who didn't go through that might never need to exercise. So even though it might seem like you, you know, you're a woman down, like you're actually the woman up because you're just maxed out with inner resources. And once you get your strength back, you have all of this to share. So the, the grist, the, not the grist, well, sometimes it's grist, but the fruit of our soul's path is actually already all around us. All the material that we need to come into the fullest expression of who we are it's already around us in our midst. And just like last night with Kareem, you were, have, you were looking at you know, having another woman reflect back to you your gifts. You can also look at the artifacts in your life. And if you look closely enough, if you pay attention, you will see what you are here to do. How? You are here to do it with whom and why. And sometimes it's a lot of times, it's not what you would expect. Maybe it's not the thing you want to see. Maybe it seems too ordinary, or it seems too great, or it seems too scandalous, or seems too whatever. But it's right under all of our noses. Nandamaya Kosha really, you know, the most base level to teach it is um, when I was 25, my partner at the time and I taught the first yoga teacher training in Thailand, the first um, yoga alliance teacher training in Thailand. And it was a really scary experience for me because I was 25 and everyone was older than me in the training and I never taught, it was 30 days. 
I had never taught anything for that long, much less made, that, made the curriculum. Uh, but one of the things that, actually a lot of things in this manual are from that teacher training, <laughs> created a strong foundation. One of the things we focused on was the koshas. And I remember when I was taught Anandamaya Kosha, I taught about, there was this, it's not there anymore, which is really too bad. A couple years ago, I went to that site hoping that it was there. It was this Italian restaurant in Chiang Mai. It kind of had like a diner feeling to it, but more upscale. And you could get pizzas and pastas and breakfast all day. And they made fresh breads and they had great coffee like before Starbucks was in Thailand. And they made these amazing desserts, like these amazing pies. And I love pie, I love pie. And so when I was feeling you know, stressed out during that training or tired or something, I would do something to treat my Ananda, my Akosha, my bliss body. And one of those things was I would go to the art cafe and get a slice of lemon meringue pie. And it was like, you know, when you're living abroad in a place where that just doesn't exist, it was a different Thailand at that time. I mean, it was just heaven. It was just heaven, because it would also transport me back home for a little bit, sitting in the restaurant with the air conditioning and the music and other foreigners around. It's like, oh, this feels, this feels really familiar before heading back out into the Asian street. So it's a really simple way that we can look at Ananda Mayakosha is like, what are these little ways, these little things that can bring us this bliss? And not, under, not underestimate the power of those. And even to have a list of, you know, what is my bliss list? What are the activities that I most love? And the universe picks up on that. And the universe will give you more of those things that you love because you're focusing on them. So we've all heard the saying, happy wife, happy life. Ain't nobody happy if, what is it? Mama. If mama ain't happy. <laughs> so it can also be happy woman equals happy life. Happy women equals happy world. This is so true. Our, our delight is very powerful. But I'm not talking about, and I've never just spoken about, the happiness of when everything is going our way. That's easy. That's easy happiness. When all the circumstances are just so. Of course the oxytocin is going to be flowing. Why wouldn't it? But the real Jedi work is waking up in the morning and deciding that you are going to be happy no matter what's happening in your body, no matter what's happening in your home, no matter what's happening in your bank account. Waking up and deciding, this is who I'm going to be. 
Because you know what? That is the precursor for those other things to change. You have to change your vibration if you want the things around you to change. Like we were talking about yesterday, your personality determines your personal reality. So if you're waking up every day resentful, angry, blaming, whatever it is, that's just going to you're going to continue to see that around you. This is the ultimate commitment we can make. It is, it is very rebellious to do this in the world right now. And there was a, another shooting in a school in the U.S., Recently, one gunman killed 17 children. And it's rebellious to say, like, I'm going to wake up and be happy even while that's happening. It's almost like it's social protocol to be like, I'm going to call, I'm going to call the senators and like I'm so, I feel so much despair and, and to kind of wear our, um, wear our grief about it on our sleeves. Like when really the answer is, is, is to be happy and to be really full in ourselves, to be really strong in ourselves. And it's from that place that we can have a much stronger impact. And the impact isn't actually, isn't, actually at the first level it's not always something tangible or practical it starts at the energetic level and then things start to shift so the place where we see things last where we see transformation last is actually in the physical realm because physical matter moves at such a slow vibration it takes the longest to change so social change it, it, it starts from this, this inner mood that we carry. And if we stay in the, in the, in the despair and we, we try to take action from the despair, it's, the results from that are not going to be transformational because the energy of the question and the, and the energy of the answer are two different energies. Yes or no? The energy of should I get a divorce versus the energy of actually taking your, la your life by the reins and getting a divorce, those are two different things. You have to become a different person to come to that answer. How can the, U the U.S. regulate gun control versus the U.S. actually doing that are two different energies. So there's going to need to be a lot of more positive energy, a lot more consciousness in the solution than is in the current situation with the question. And that's going to come from each of us raising our energy. And there are different times in life. One of my, one of 
one of the healers that I've seen in the past, she talks about it going, going up a level. Sometimes when you go up a level, other people call it an ascension upgrade, just when you, when you are like raising the vibration within yourself and in your life, you might notice certain things. You might notice like, oh, I need to stop eating this food right now, or I need to stop having this glass of wine, or I'm not interested in talking to these people anymore, doing these things. It's that your vibration is, is changing. It's not matching the vibration of those people or things anymore. And the more that you are living the truth of your own soul, the more that you're going to kind of seem strange from the eyes of the status quo. And everyone in history who has actually shifted something quite major has caused some sort of a paradigm shift or revolution. At first, they were um, they encountered a lot of obstacles because they were thought they were seen to be like too too heretical. And I'm talking about Einstein a lot this week because I just watched that TV series that I told you about, but. He had a tremendous amount of backlash because um, he was living in Germany for most of his life. Up until, you know, just like when it was, World War II was really building and the anti-Semitic atmosphere in, in Germany was really building to get to the horror that it was when Hitler came into power. And Einstein was Jewish. And he actually wasn't awarded the Nobel Prize for his theory of relativity for like years and years. Even though he was the most famous scientist in the world, had the biggest breakthrough in science ever because the people on the board were not ready to hear it, and they were preparing to be siding with, with Hitler. They were very, they didn't want any, anyone with Jewish blood to be recognized. They felt that anyone who was Jewish was, was less than, was inferior. And finally, when uh, Einstein ended up moving to the States and getting a teaching position at Princeton to escape the, the increasing hostility that was building in Germany, and it's finally was when he was in the States that someone on the board of um, the Nobel, I don't know what the, what the board is called, the Nobel Laureate board? I don't know. <laughs> but finally someone said, you know, it's going to be kind of weird if we don't. People are going to start to discredit us as an organization if we don't at least acknowledge him for something. So he got his first Nobel, he got his first Nobel Peace Prize at the end of his life when he was in Princeton, but it was... 
it was not for the theory of relativity. It was for something else. It was for some other, like, more minor um, insight that he had had. So with this, you know, there was a question earlier in the week, how do I stop caring about what other people think? Because that's, that's part of us really stepping out and being who we are and offering what we feel like the world needs. And we never stop caring about what other people think. Um, for those of you who are in the she school or you have been in the she school, you know that we do a lot of work. This is a big part of, of my path, do a lot of work around our inner voices, our inner family, and really start to tune into like who's talking inside of you when you're afraid about what other people think. How can you mother that part of yourself? What does she need to hear so that she's not the one driving the bus? So you can choose who's actually driving this bus, who's actually in charge. And the thing is, when, when, we're, when we're tuned into what other people think, we are not in alignment with ourselves. So it's how can I get back into alignment with myself? That's where we come back to our bliss list. What brings me alive? What gives me that high-flying feeling where I'm just so full of myself? We all know that feeling. It's like this little girl energy. When, 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 you're, when you're full of that, you just don't give a rip about anyone, you know? Like, you'll just skip down the street, and even if all the Thai people on the side of the street are looking at you like you're nuts, like that crazy foreigner, you know, it's like, ah, I just feel so free. I'm just going to do this. The heart is, is really the seat of the Ananda Maya Kosha. And the electromagnetic field of the heart <coughs> is really like, it is magnetic. It is what draws experience to us. We haven't been taught this, but we live in a vibrational universe. Vibration comes first. So if you're doing something and your heart isn't in it, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Maybe you'll get some, like, sort of results. in the physical world. It's probably going to take a lot of energy. It's probably going to be a lot of inner conflict around it. It's not going to be like a strong focus. Might be attracting the wrong people that aren't really a good match for you. So 
when considering what you're putting out into the world, really consult your heart first. Like, what is going to make my heart sing? What is it that I deeply and truly want? What is it that I would do even if I didn't get paid for it? What is it that I would do even if I didn't get recognition for it, like Einstein, even if I didn't get a Nobel Prize? Even if you're not recognized for your efforts until long after you die, which is how it often is for real change makers, because they are born before their time, and their real success doesn't come until it's posthumous success. They might struggle their whole lives just trying to make ends meet. And once they've transitioned, all of a sudden, you know, they're on the New York Times bestseller. Their paintings are hanging in the Met, worth millions of dollars. So what is it that you can really rest your heart into? Because this is, your work is a creation. It is, let it be like a, a child that you bring into the world, that you, you love that much, that you would do anything for this child. Because that's what it takes to birth, oh, you know, work into the world. It takes being, being with that creation through everything. Through when you're sick, through when you're well, through when you're having dark times in life, through when things are going really great, through when people get you, when people don't. It's just staying, staying with it because you love it. And when you don't love it, having the courage to change it, or to leave it. So that saying from 12-step programs, love it, change it, or leave it. Notice there's no complaint about it in there. <laughs> love it, change it, or leave it. So as you're constructing your practice for tomorrow, Consider what's going to make my heart sing. What's going to really fill me up so that I feel genuine joy by the end of this practice? You know, maybe you start out feeling like the tin man from Wizard of Oz, tin woman really rusty and creaky and not feeling so great. But how can you, through the power of your practice, the power of your mind, your breath, your body, your heart, how can you use all of these forces to uplift yourself? To be your hero or heroine. 
to really be the creator of your destiny, knowing that the pathway to your dream destiny is really through the pathway of joy. And joy is the other side of grief. So we're not, this is not about denying emotions whatsoever. It's about feeling the fullness of our emotions. As I've been saying, dropping the story. The sooner we drop the story, the sooner the emotions are gonna move through us and transform into something else. The, the bigger we let the feeling be, whoever it needs to be, the more it's energy that wants to be liberated. It's life force energy that wants to be liberated. So the lower you go with your grief, you can bet the higher you're going to soar on the other side of it, way higher than you ever would have if you hadn't gone through that grief. And if there's an area in your life, any area of life that's feeling good, any area that's feeling good, focus on that. You know, like I've, like I've mentioned before, you know, during some of my darkest times in the past couple of years, when just, it was just that time in my soul's evolution for everything to crumble down. And I knew the only way I was gonna get out of that dark hole was if I became happy inside of it. Was if I transformed myself inside of it without anything changing around me. And I used my dog, Sadie. You know, my relationship with Sadie is awesome. And I just focused on that relationship with Sadie and how much joy she brought me. And just how lucky I was that we had found one another and how she's such an amazing dog. Just focusing on anything that is working and that feels good. Turning your attention away from areas that feel like there's a struggle where you feel a lot of resistance. And then gradually those areas, they'll start to fill up around you as you've turned your focus away from them, just focusing on the best feeling thought. So Ananda Mayakosha, just like Anything, what we appreciate, appreciates. And like Joseph Campbell said, I know we've all heard it a million times, follow your bliss. It's, it's true. If today's talk inspired you, and if you'd like support in healing and connecting to yourself, your inner life, and the world around you in a distinctly feminine way. You can learn more about the She Yoga and Meditation teacher training at shiyogatraining.com. Registration is open right now, but just for three weeks this June. And an early registration discount is available until June 15th. Again, you can learn more at shiyogatraining.com. If it feels right for you, I'd love to have you join us. And until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.